You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Barnyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on a belated edition of the Barnyard. I told you guys that I would be a little bit late today, uh, much later than I expected. We had a huge day today at Meridian at the Bulldog Shop. Had a huge book signing down there. Big day. We really did. Had a, a probably, we haven't run the numbers yet, but I believe we did more this year with Alpha Dogs than we did last year with Stark Villains, which is very encouraging. Also been told that Alpha Dogs will debut on the Mississippi bestsellers list. Really excited about that. Worked very hard on this book, and uh, it's been well-received so far. Thank you guys so much for your support and your reviews. If you haven't read Alpha Dogs, you should. You can find it at alphadogsthebook.com or everywhere where great books are sold in uh, Mississippi vendors. And we've got, I guess we've got around 25 to 30 vendors carrying the book this time. So, yeah, if, if you need somebody in your neck of the woods, let me know. We'll do our best to help you out. But uh, a lot going on today. I'm sure you guys have seen Florida and LSU has been postponed. As a result of that, Mississippi State's game on Saturday, it was scheduled to air on the SEC Network, I guess, will now be on ESPN. So that helps out many of you. I know there are a lot of people that don't get the SEC Network. So if you can't make it to the game, You've got an opportunity to watch it on ESPN. So it'll be a national broadcast. Also, Nick Saban and Greg Byrne, former Mississippi State AD and current Alabama AD, Greg Byrne, both test positive for COVID. I understand both claim to be asymptomatic but are in self-isolation. Now, there will be many people that will rejoice at this news, and you say, Steve, there's no way. No, no, trust me. There are plenty of people in the uh, national media that have been lying in wait, just waiting for something like this to happen. But as Greg Sankey said earlier this evening, Alabama and Georgia set to play. Now, there are more tests that will take place, and so there could be some change. But as of now, Alabama and Georgia are still on. Now, we discussed all this back before the season began. And with some, many of us at times kind of lull ourselves into this false sense of security, we think, ah, you know, it's all over with. It's not a big deal. You know, we've had the roster at Mississippi State has been somewhat uh, impacted by COVID. You know, we've had some guys, albeit backups, but we've had some guys miss games. But we knew at some point there would be some postponements. It's naive to believe other way. Otherwise, it's happening in the NFL. It's happened with some other leagues. So now you finally have an SEC game that has moved, and it's been two of them, Vandy Mizzou, also being postponed. And But here's the deal. And this is one of the things you begin to ask yourself. You know, Florida yesterday, there were there was some reports that came out and said as many as 19 players had tested positive. Uh, Scott Strickland, Florida AD, former state AD, state alum, Scott Strickland kind of clarifies that and said it's five. You know, of course, five is too many. But here's the deal. Texas A&M comes back and says they've had no positive test. And so it's a, you begin to ask yourself, if football is the linchpin in this thing, if you're, if you're getting sick from playing football, why wouldn't A&M have it? Now, you can also make the, the, the connection say, well, okay, well, I don't, I don't know how many players from Alabama have it, but you know, now there's some reports that Ole Miss has some. 
but by and large, I think, you know, some of that is just kind of, you know, the circumstances of which we're living now. Also, uh, most of the reports are that the players are asymptomatic, and there were a couple of guys at Florida that had some limited symptoms. We don't want anybody to get sick. I don't want you to get sick. I don't want to get sick. I don't want anybody that I love to get sick. I don't want anybody you love to get sick. But that's not the reality. At some point, many of us are going to test positive for COVID. I've had members of my family, my immediate family, that have tested positive for COVID and uh, you know, had very, very minor symptoms and kind of moved on with life. But when you get that diagnosis early on and you find out that you've got a positive test, I don't, I don't care uh, how good you feel when you get that. You begin to wonder. You're like, man, this, this could be bad because there's a lot of nightmare stories out there. I was looking on Facebook earlier today. One of his friend of a friend uh, you know, had it for three or four days and started feeling better and then had a bit of a relapse. Said the first three days were the worst. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we, I've got friends that have had this, as you guys have as well. And so they've been very fortunate. Other people have been less fortunate. But, but the bottom line is this, with all that, is they're going to continue to be positive tests for COVID until it is either eradicated or they come up with a, uh, you know, a vaccine. And so that's just kind of the price of poker right now. Now, if you look at, and again, I'm not going to sit here and uh, talk COVID the whole show, but if you, if you look at hospitalizations and deaths, they're plummeting. You know, but uh, you're beginning to see, you know, testing results kind of have a little bit of an uptick again. So it's always something to monitor. It's always something to be vigilant about. You know, I've traveled the state a lot the last few days. I think about that a lot, too, when I'm traveling because I don't know what everybody else has. I don't know who's trying to shake my hand. I don't know if they've used sanitizer or they've, uh, you know, washed their hands after using the bathroom. I don't know any of that stuff. And so I try to protect myself, but I do think about that. I mean, you know, you stop at some gas stations in some cities and you're required to wear a mask and you go in with your mask on and then some of the employees aren't even wearing a mask. But at the end of the day, I'm not responsible for those people. I'm responsible for me. So today, even as I traveled, you know, everywhere I went, I, you know, I pulled my mask on, you know, just because of the fact if other people came in and out of the building, I just, you know, maybe it's habit or whatever, but I just, you know, I'm not going to put myself at unnecessary risk. And I know many people would say, well, Steve, if you don't want to, if you don't want to be at risk, just stay home. And that's true. It's my choice to get out and go sign books and help our vendors. There are many of our businesses out there that had an absolutely abysmal spring and an awful summer. They're trying to salvage what they can in the fall. Can in the fall. And so as long as I can get out there and healthily do it, I'm going to get out there and help our booksellers as much as I can. It's not just about the delivery of the books and the numbers that I sell and stuff. There are a lot of people out there that depend on us to sell books to help them, uh, you know, feed their families, to pay their employees. And so I feel a sense of obligation uh, to get out there as long as I can do it safely and help our vendors. And uh, I can share with you, too, there are many of our historical vendors that are really, 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 really struggling. Really. Now, the first home football game. Uh, talked to John at the lodge. They were busy. I was there for a while. I was amazed at how thick it was in there. Campus Bookmark, very, very busy. Amber at the Marine Company says they were they were good. So, I mean, yeah, so we're seeing some rebound there, but it's not going to be enough to overcome the fact. You know, we sent the students home in the spring. We canceled baseball for the spring. We canceled all summer camps. So you didn't have campers coming in and, and uh, you know, renting hotel rooms and eating hamburgers and that sort of stuff. And so – there are a lot of people doing what they can this fourth quarter to just try to salvage what they can out of the year. And listen, we've had some businesses close up here. Like, I mean, Starbucks not immune, but in many ways, I think that you know because we are basically a college town. You know, when the college stopped doing business, you know, so did many of our local vendors. And so I'm going to encourage you again: buy gift certificates from your local Starbucks vendors for gifts this year. You know, all of you, listen. You can contact our folks at Bulldog Burger, and we'll talk about them shortly. You can get gift cards. You can get gift cards. You can get Eat With Us gift cards that are good at Harvey's, at The Grill, at Bulldog Burger Company, at Peppers. And I know every one of you has a college student in your family, whether it be your son or your daughter or your niece or your nephew or grandchild. They would love to have a meal out on you. And I have not forgotten what it's like to be a broken college student. I, I, matter of fact, I have two girls in college now, and, and – um, <laughs> They had it much better than me. I remember making that collect call home to mom when I was in uh, Jones County Junior College. Hey, mom, can you send me some money? 
you know, and it's one of those things you get about 25 bucks a month and you got to make it last. It's a different day and time now. But, uh, but be that as it may, you know, if you have college students in your family, uh, I'm going to encourage you to contact your favorite restaurants here in town and see if they can't arrange a gift card for you. Again, go ahead and yeah, hey, put 25, 50 bucks on there and send it to them. It's, I think it's a good idea. And uh, many of you, too, listen, you're going to use it yourself, you know, even if you don't have a college student in your family. So, you know what? I'll go ahead and get a $100 gift card to Bulldog Burger Company because I know at some point I'm going to go up there and I'm going to have a great restaurant quality hamburger. And so I'll use it myself. But uh, those folks, listen, they need your business. And uh, I kind of advocate for them because they've been so good to us. And it's not just the ones that sponsor on the show. And you know, these people are our friends and they're the fabric of our community. And uh, many of them too proud to tell you that, hey, you know what? We're struggling. I- I'm going to tell you because I see it. I see it. They're doing the best they can. They're having good attitudes because they understand how important the fourth quarter is. You know, th- th- this is going to determine if we're going to have to lay people off and that sort of stuff. You know, and so I'm just encouraging you if you can. If you love Starkville, I know you do. You wouldn't be listening to this show. Go online, do some shopping or buy some gift cards. Uh, I can promise you the people of Starkville would certainly appreciate that. We spoke about Bulldog Burger Company earlier. Let me remind you, too, they've got the new Jalapeno Poppers Burger. I am yet to try that, but uh, Ani, my oldest son, he had it. said it is the best hamburger on the menu. said it is outstanding. I have been on the road so much, I have not taken the opportunity to partake in this new delicacy. But I will. I will, I will plan to do it before the week is out, and we'll talk about it next week on the show. You know, living in Louisiana, my palate changed a little bit. You're growing up in South Mississippi. You know how it is that you, know, you add a little salt and pepper and you call it a day. But living in Louisiana, you know, I kind of took a hankering, you know, to, to you know some Cajun food. And so I like things a little spicy these days. And so jalapenos are right up my alley. I don't know that I could have a, an omelet without having jalapenos on it. So I'm looking forward to having that jalapeno burger. And so here's the deal, too. If you can't get tickets to the game... Go watch the game at Bulldog Burger Company in either Tupelo and Starkville. You can congregate with other Bulldog fans. And you know what? There might even be, uh, you know, some rival fans in there, too. Kind of makes it fun. It's a great party-type atmosphere. You can have an adult beverage. You can have a family day. Let me encourage you again. Do your make Get your tailgating done at Bulldog Burger Company. They're happy to take care of you. You'll have a great experience there. Again, Bulldog Burger Company, the place for people in Starkville and now Tupelo. Go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, let's talk a little Texas A&M Aggies here. Uh, I'm a little surprised, to be honest with you, they beat Florida. I knew that they would able to score a little bit because Florida is somewhat, uh, shall we say, bad on defense. But I was still surprised that Kellen Mond and the crew made the plays to win late. And uh, listen, give them credit. I don't think most people expected them to win that game, even though it was home, outside of maybe some folks in College Station. And so tip of the cap to them, I really thought they'd be one and two at this point. So – you know, congratulations. But um, if you know a lot about Jimbo Fisher, too, uh, I would not be the least bit surprised to see the Aggies coming here and laying Aggies weekend. We have seen that before with them. But uh, let's take a quick look here. Uh, listen, A&M is a team that wants to establish the run. I like Isaiah Spillers a lot. I really do. Uh, I don't know that he is better than some of the backs that we have seen, but um, – you know, he is a guy that's doing a good job. Rarely do you see him fall backwards or not fall forward. So he is a really physical force out there. Uh, through three games, 46 carries, 325 gain, just nine yards lost, 316 yards net, you know, for him. You know, he's – but he's a guy. I mean, you know, he's not just another player. I mean, he's a guy that really kind of, you know, stirs the drink for them. 6.9 yards per carry, a couple touchdowns, along a 57 average and just over 100 yards a game, 105 yards a game. A couple of guys behind him, but listen, he's the deal. I mean, he's he is their guy. You know, he's the guy that they expect to kind of carry the load for them. Um, Anaya Smith, 20 carries for – net of 103, but, you know, he's just a guy that's kind of there to be a bit of a, you know, of a depth guy, you know, but uh, Spillers is the dude. Kellen Mond also a, a skilled runner, but he's not running as much this year. You know, it seemed like last year against Mississippi State, we, we, we made him like a Heisman candidate, but through three games, you know, he's run it 21 times with a net of just 45 yards. Average just over two yards a carry along of 13. So, 
they're making him more of a quarterback, and I, I actually think that works in Mississippi State's favor. You know, that's the thing about Terry Wilson. Terry Wilson's a one-read guy. But when the pressure gets there, if you don't get him, he's a good enough athlete to make big plays, as we saw on that 51-yard gallop against us last week that really kind of got that game going for Kentucky. But uh, it's interesting to see. I don't think Kellen Mond is the athlete Terry Wilson is. Now, now Kellen Mond is a better passer than Terry Wilson is. But, but in many respects, you know, he's not the guy that's going to get deep in this progression. But they're making him be a guy that's being a little more disciplined back there and not just kind of tuck and run. That was what he did early in his career. You know, if he didn't like what he saw, he would just, you know, let everybody clear out and just kind of tuck it and go. He's not as raw as he once was. As, as he showed last week against Florida, he is willing to – to kind of stand in there and make the big throw. And the thing that impressed me uh, last week about him is how a good a job he did, you know, on the pre-snap read when it came to the blitz. You know, once they brought somebody off the, the, out of the slot, they brought a corner, he went right back to that side because he knew he had man coverage. And ball placement was really good. He did a great job using his tight ends. And uh, that's something we're going to have to prepare for. You know, the, we're, we're going to see a lot of tight end play. We're going to see a lot of balls thrown in that direction. They're going to use the middle of the field a lot to kind of, you know, simplify his read some. So, again, he's playing within himself, doing a good job in the system. Not exactly lighting things up, but ball security has been a lot better through three games. He is 67 of 107 with just one interception, seven touchdowns for 845 yards. Again, they're not asking him to win the game. They're just asking him not to lose the game. Go out there, manage the game, distribute the ball in the hands of your playmakers, and then we'll see what happens. But, uh, again, kind of playing within himself. And, listen, Alabama smoked them. You know, that's one thing people talk about, too, is, you know, say, hey, these guys have been competitive. You know, A&M is struggling to stop people, and that's been a little bit of a surprise, too. I didn't think they'd be an elite defense, but I thought they would be better. Uh, they haven't been so far, and granted, they've played some teams that have been pretty good. Vanderbilt pretty anemic on offense, and, and A&M barely wins a game. They get smoked against Alabama. They give up a lot of yards to get Florida, too. And, and listen, I blame Dan Mullen for some of that stuff, too. Dan got a little conservative in that game late. The Mullen malaise, as we call it. But, um, all right, so uh, Anaya Smith, 12 catches, 203 yards. You know, he's a change of pace guy for them, a couple touchdowns. Caleb Chapman, uh, arguably their most talented receiver out for the season. Just announced earlier this week he had 14 grabs, 197 yards, and three touchdowns. Uh, their most prolific guy, sure-handed guy, but he's done. He's done for the year. One of the guys that, uh, if if you watched him play last week, the guy that jumped off the screen that made these acrobatic catches and coverage over and over and over again is uh, Jalen Widenmeyer. Uh, this is a future NFL guy. Fifteen grabs, which is a team high. 154 yards, no touchdowns yet, but it's just a matter of time. This is a guy that can really, really play. Uh, Chase Lane's another guy with 14 grabs. So they have kind of distributed the ball around a pretty good bit. I mean, you got four guys there with double-digit catches. But the guy, K.O. Chapman's a guy that's been in end zone more than anybody. They've got seven touchdown passes combined. He had three of them. So that's a big loss uh, with them coming in here. So you stop the run. You, you force mine to be a quarterback. And then now one of his favorite passing targets has kind of been removed uh, from the possibility of things there. So, again – A&M is being efficient with what they do. And, and listen, State can't State can't give them points. I just, To be honest with you, I don't think that they can consistently line up and methodically move the ball down the field as a one-dimensional offense. I think we've been so good against the run. We attack the run. We attack gaps rather than men. Uh, we fit gaps and we force tackles for loss. You know, I expect us to do a good job on spillers. And, listen, that's going to be a tall task. He's a really good player. But again, I think you have to put the game in the lap of one Kellen Mond. Despite the fact that he's a senior, despite the fact that he's seen a lot of things, you know, this exotic blitz package that State uses is different than what everybody else has. He probably hasn't seen it 3-3-5 many times in his career. So everything is a little bit different, which makes you a little hypersensitive. You know, when you haven't seen these things, for, and then all of a sudden you get out there, it's one thing to watch it on film. It's another thing when they put new wrinkles in just for you, based on what you do. So – Interested to see what Zach Arnett does with this group uh, this weekend. And listen, we're going to need them to basically be what they've been every week. And there's nothing, I think, at this point, from a matchup standpoint, to suggest they won't be. 
Is Isaiah Spillers better than Rakeem Boyd? No, I don't think so. Even though Rakeem Boyd was was out most of the ballgame. Is Spillers better than those backs they have at OSU? Probably not. But he is a bona fide SEC guy. This is a guy that's capable of really kind of taking over a game if you let him. If you, if you don't get in there and really emphasize the run and stopping him and slowing him down, and you let him be two-dimensional, he's a guy that can really hurt you. I, I'm a fan of Isaiah Spillers. I think he's a really, really good player. But I think State is up to the task to kind of slow him down because, again, it's not like it's a running back by committee thing. It's a one-guy deal. And so you go out there and you kind of pop him around a little bit. And uh, they're going to run some jet sweeps type, type stuff just to kind of keep the linebackers honest. But uh, I think that he's the guy we can get downhill on. Now let's look defensively at A&M. We talked about some of these things earlier, you know, about you know, A&M as a team that um, was expected to do really well this year. And uh, had they gone one and two, now which is what I expected, I thought they would come in here one and two and really kind of look at each other, kind of figuring these things out. But, you know, 17 points against Vandy, they scored 24 against Alabama, and then 41 against Florida. But here's the deal. <laughs> you know, a- Vanderbilt takes the open and drive all the way down the field and has to settle for a field goal with a freshman quarterback. I mean, they went right at A&M and had a lot of success. Alabama puts up 52, Florida puts up 38. So, you know, this Aggie defense is really kind of struggling uh, to kind of find a sense of itself. And listen, they're an athletic-looking bunch. Those guys look good in a uniform. But there's not a lot of guys out there you look at and say, okay, well, we've got a game plan against this guy. I mean, I just haven't really seen that. There have been some guys in the past that, um, you know, have been kind of difficult to deal with. And there's a couple guys out there to kind of jump out at you and you say, you know what, you need to account for this guy with your pre-snap read. But, uh, you know, Buddy Johnson's leading them with 30 tackles. He's another guy that has uh, had a good career there in College Station. Finally a senior, 6'2", 240. Looking at his numbers here right now, you know, he had uh, – let's see here. He had, what, eight, 11 tackles? Against Florida, 11 and a forced fumble. Best game of the year. But, yeah, he seems like he's been around forever and a day. Damani Richardson, another another guy, too. It's like they, there's a lot of names you know here, but Damani's one of those guys that kind of worked his way into the deal last year. And uh, yeah, lo- local guy there, Waxahachie. But, you know, he, he is another guy that uh, they're pretty excited about long term. Leon O'Neill Jr. got a little bit banged up last week, um, but uh, played through it. You know, he's another guy, too, that has has been around a little bit. He's a junior guy there out of Cypress, Texas. You know, the thing that I look at this defense, and uh, everybody's got a leading tackler, but it's pretty well distributed up and down the roster. You know, McKinley Jackson's a guy that – has played sparingly there. You know, he's a former, you know, big-time player here in Mississippi. He's out there, done a good job for them. But uh, it, they are not, are not a team that has done a great job pressuring the quarterback. Uh, Michael Clemens has two and a half sacks for 17 yards. Bobby Brown, the third, who looks like a monster in the uniform, has a sack. And then that other half sack belongs to McKinley Jackson. So they're getting this up front. You know, they're, they're, they're guys that are doing a pretty good job with the front four, getting a little pressure. But, again, not a lot of linebacker stuff. And you, you look at the quarterback hurries, you know, not a ton of those either. You know, no, Only one player has more than, than one. And it looks like as a team where they have seven, you know, seven quarterback hurries, that's not much. So they're struggling to pressure the quarterback. And maybe that's a good thing for Mississippi State. Uh, A&M opponents have had 14 quarterback hurries, just so you guys are curious about that. I know that you would be, but here's the, one of the, the other stats that jumps out to you despite the fact that they've played Florida and Alabama. Texas A&M has been sacked just one time. Kellen Mond has been sacked just once. They're doing a good job protecting him, and that's where I think the game kind of rests for Mississippi State. I mean, you, first of all, you say, Steve, you listen, we got to score some points. Yeah, I get it, but I'm just talking about the matchup here. we got to make Kellen Mond uncomfortable. You know, two years ago he came in here and he, he gave us the game. You know, and we played really well in the game, but when they were driving down late trying to stay in it, you know, he just throws you know, kind of a no-look interception to Errol Thompson and kind of puts the game away, and then Nick runs down. You know, Nick runs away with it, and uh, they, it kind of removed all doubt. But uh, it was a competitive game. But the Kellen Mond of the day is probably not going to make that mistake. 
And so I think you what you have to do, because he has shown a propensity throughout his career, when you put pressure on him, his decision-making process breaks down. And that's the case for everybody, but he has probably been uh, probably a guy that has done that more than, than most in this league and kept his job. You know, we went down there a couple of years ago at, at College Station and really made him look really, really amateurish. He did not look like an SEC quarterback against us. It was one of those things where we knew if we ever got in third and long, they were going to be punting because he just simply couldn't handle the pressure. So that's what you got to do. You got to make him uncomfortable. And, and I'll be honest with you, you know, this call it a hot take or whatever, three weeks into the season, I don't know that Alabama and Florida's defenses are very good. I mean, you look at the numbers, and it's been kind of consistent. You can say, well, you know, Steve almost put up numbers on them, and they did, but so did everybody else. You know, that, that's been, you know, go look at the Florida message boards, and they'll let you know. They haven't done a good job on defense. A lot of people are ready to fire Todd Grantham. Go look at the Alabama message boards. People are ready to run Pete Golden off. He was supposed to be the next great thing, and now Alabama people are like, you know what, get this guy out of here. I don't know if there's anybody outside of Georgia and Mississippi State that are playing defense in the SEC. I know Vanderbilt's trying to. But there's not a lot of great defensive teams in the Southeastern Conference this year. And that's one of those things you look at. How do you really gauge these offenses when you don't have many people playing, um, you know, great defense? People say, well, you know, it's a change. It's a change in offensive philosophy. The league is changing and there's some truth in all that stuff. But this is a league that's kind of been built on, uh, you know, running the football and playing good defense. Uh, so, you know, where are we in that? And uh, let's take a look at that before we kind of move on to the next topic here. I think it's important that we kind of take an inventory. All right, so let's look at, you know, total defense right now. I mean, look at um, – we've had, a, I think, a big enough sample size we can get in to kind of draw some conclusions. Or at least, you know, at least it's still a relatively small sample size, but three games is enough to kind of figure out uh, who's playing good defense. Georgia, number two in the country. 236.7 yards per game behind only Houston. But, uh, again, Houston's only played the one game, you know, so that statistic is kind of an anomaly for them, them and Air Force both. The number two team in the SEC, Mississippi State, 285.7 yards per game. And if you look at scoring defense, I mean, it's one of those things, too. State is kind of skewed a little bit because we had three pick sixes. It's part of the game, but those factor in those points are scored against the offense, not against the defense. But we expected this defense to really struggle, and so far they haven't. And I think a lot of that can be attributed to the scheme, but also to Zach Arnett. I think it's important to kind of give him some credit. Texas A&M at giving up 400.3 yards per game. 400. 400. So. This is a decent defense for A&M, not a great one. Now, we have shown the ability to make some average defenses look elite when we don't execute on football, on the football field. Uh, that's a part of the deal, to say the least. We're going to get back to that after we do the top ten list. Today's top ten list brought to you by the folks at MyBookie.com. Let me encourage you, if, you're, if you are somebody that likes to have a little skin in the game, and some of you do. I, I understand it. I know that having a little wager on this and a chance to kind of cash in makes the weekend uh, worthwhile for many of you. You want to have a little skin in the game, not just for Mississippi State, but with others. I know many people that say, I never bet on Mississippi State because my heart is always in the way. But I, you can use my head on some other uh, ball games. And so if you're a person who likes to do that, my bookie has a deal for you. By being a loyal Boneyard listener, you can use promo code Boneyard. They will match your initial deposit up to a thousand bucks. That's right. So if you want to play with a hundred bucks, they're going to give you a hundred to play with free. So you're playing with two hundred instead of one. That goes all the way up to a thousand dollars. And you can't cash out immediately before you've got to play. You've got to use that money, but you're already playing with some house money right out of the gate. You'll find they're going to pay quick. They're going to pay on time. They're going to probably pay you back better than anybody else. We've got NLCS, ALCS, NFL, NBA is over, thank goodness. NHL is over, and you got college football. But there's plenty of things to wager on UFC, many other things. And so go check them out today. It's mybookie.com. Use promo code Boneyard to activate that offer. Again, they will match your initial deposit up to 100%, up to $1,000. More details, follow them at mybookie.com. Okay. Top 10 list. 
kind of going off script today. I was in my hometown of Columbia, Mississippi on Tuesday. Did a book signing there. If you could make the signing, you can go to the flower shop there on Church Street. It's just off Main Street, just right, right off of downtown there. Used to be the old sale with flowers building. Now, I, I, I think every girl I ever dated in my hometown, that's where I bought my flowers at Sale with Flowers. The flower shop is a, it's a flower shop and gift shop. You can now buy my books in my hometown. It's a small place. It's a great place. But for the first time, I have a retail presence in my hometown that doesn't require an, an online password. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to go buy the books online. You can go right into the, the flower shop there in Columbia and go pick up the books today. So if you're down there, I left, I left behind some signed copies of all three books. And you know what? We're going to send more. I'm going to be back down there because what they do in Columbia, and I've never been, they've only been doing it for two years. But they turned downtown Columbia into this winter wonderland with an ice skating rink and everything else. And I've never seen it. I've only seen pictures. But we're going to do a book signing down there during that time. Looking forward to get back down there and seeing the uh, seeing the home place under the lights. Excited to do it. So, so talking down there yesterday, you had some people around there, some Columbia natives and many people. We were talking about many of the people from Columbia that have done really well. And so I got to thinking who are the top 10 people from my hometown? Who are the top most accomplished people from my hometown? Or maybe who are the 10 most famous people from my hometown? Now, some of these people were born in Columbia, Mississippi, and moved away. Other people spent most of their lives in Columbia, Mississippi, before they went on to professional fame and fortune. And so I'm going to run them down for you. Some of these are very contemporary to you, too. Some of these you may have to look up. Former... Two-term governor, Hugh White, is from Columbia, Mississippi. As a matter of fact, there, uh, you know, on old 198, you can find the old Hugh White Mansion. I had a dear friend that used to live in the Hugh White Mansion. Can't say that I agree with all his politics, but uh, nevertheless, he was a two-time governor from my hometown. Number nine, Peggy Dow. Now, Miss, P- Miss Dow lives in Tulsa, and... Uh, is in her 90s now. I guess she's 92. She was an absolute bombshell. I mean, she was beautiful. I suspect she still is. But in her heyday, she was the love interest in several movies. She, I guess she was in seven full-length feature films and uh, had did some TV work and uh, was a model and uh, you know, just a beautiful woman that had a great career, met an old tycoon, married him, lived with him until the day that he died. I believe they were married 50 or 60 years and uh, had a handful of kids. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. It's a great life. And uh, she's from my hometown, Peggy Dow. And then number eight, Gil Carmichael. Now, Gil rose to prominence there in Meridian, Mississippi, but he was born in Columbia. Spent the early years of his life in Columbia. Gil Carmichael uh, worked for the National uh, Travel Safety Board. He was uh, worked for uh, George Bush the first. He was involved, a former chairman of Amtrak. This is a guy that was basically kind of the guy in the United States 
when it came to experts on transportation, Gil Carmichael was your guy, and he is a native of Columbia, Mississippi. Number seven on the list, Joe Owens, and I had the pleasure of going to high school with Joe Owens' son, Joe Owens Jr. Joe was a couple years older than me, also a very good football player, went to Alcorn himself. Big Joe went to Alcorn and then parlayed that opportunity in his seven years in the National Football League. Uh, played for San Diego and spent five years with the New Orleans Saints. And uh, final year with the Houston Oilers. But uh, Joe, in my hometown, you know, the name's Joe Owens, Joe Freelix. Those are guys that were huge players at Columbia High School. And um, the name carried some weight. I mean, and that's one of the things, too. There were so many players from my hometown that found their college futures at the HBCUs of America, you know, mainly at Jackson State and Alcorn, which made the Soul Bowl in many respects in my hometown almost as big as the Egg Bowl because of the fact there were people that had a rooting interest, not just because of the fact that, um, you know, that it was an HBCU, but it's the fact that their neighbors played in the games. And so there was a lot of pride in Jackson State and Alcorn in my hometown because there were so many guys from you know, John Jefferson High School before the, the schools were integrated, and then from Columbia High School that went on and played at Jackson State and Alcorn. And I remember, I mean, there, there would be friendly wagers all all over the place. And you felt obligated yourself to pick a team. But Joe Owens, a hero from Columbia, Mississippi. Number six, some would argue he's maybe a little bit uh, low on the list, but it's Eddie Payton. Had a chance to meet Eddie Payton at Payton Family Day when I was in high school. They retired number 22. Most people don't realize that, that Walter, were, Walter and Eddie both were 22 in high school at Columbia High. And um, they were finally retired it. And I, and, uh, I said they retired it. That's what they said they did. I haven't been to check the roster in a long time. But it was such a big deal for Eddie to come back. And, uh, you know, we honored both of those guys and, and for the accomplishments that they had, not only at Columbia High School, but what they did you know, moving on into the college ranks in the National Football League. And to think that we had two of those guys back-to-back at Columbia High School, it's incredible to think about that. You know, two brothers that played at our high school that went on to play at the National Football League, and you had them in sequential order. Like, as soon as Eddie graduated, Walter took over. There used to be this great Nike commercial when they showed Gardner Stadium, and it was such a big deal in our hometown to have a picture of Gardner Stadium in a Nike ad, and it said – Walter Payton played his heart out here as a freshman at Columbia High School as a drummer in the marching band because you couldn't play as a freshman back then. And then Eddie graduates and he gets 22 and then the rest is rock and roll history. And I'm happy to say, too, that uh, Michael Borner and his group that uh, designed Dirty Noble Field are about to lead a $6 million project to renovate Columbia High School's Gardner Stadium. Those bleachers have been there since 1957. And so they're going to move the Walter Payton statue out front. They're going to have some brick up there that looks similar to Soldier Field. It's going to be incredible. I can't wait to go back. I plan to be there for the unveiling. Very, very happy about what's happening down there. Bobby Hamilton didn't go to Columbia High School, but he played at East Marion. And then he eventually won two Super Bowl rings with the New England Patriots. Bobby Hamilton. Uh, about my age, and listen, here's the deal. When we played peewee football, Bobby Hamilton was head and shoulders taller than all of us. And people were scared to death of him. I mean, you didn't you didn't want to have to play against. I, I played for Breakfield Insurance. You know, we wore the red jerseys. These guys were black and gold, and nobody wanted to block Bobby Hamilton because you couldn't. And so you tried to do it by committing. It wasn't even fair to him. I don't even know if we could compete against him. But uh, like a lot of kids that uh, kind of you know lord over others athletically, you know, he parlayed his experience and went on and, and uh, to the National Football League and made himself a lot of money. Bobby Hamilton. Number four, and maybe I'm a little bit biased, but I'm going with Logan Cook. Logan hadn't won the Super Bowl yet. Logan Cook had a good career at Mississippi State. He was a starting punter there at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Recently married. Very happy for Logan and his lovely bride. Had a chance to visit with Logan's dad on Tuesday for a little while. Anytime I go down there, I try to, to see his dad, Lynn Cook. One of, one of the better guys, man. I'd be honest with you. Lynn Cook is a solid guy. Uh, you know, his dad, of course, uh, was pastor at North Columbia Baptist Church for many, many years. And uh, Logan got a lot of his values. But Lynn is one of those solid guys, man. If you're ever down here in Columbia and you run across Lynn Cook, if he doesn't buy your lunch, uh, you know, it, it's a surprise. I mean, he's just one of those guys that uh, just loves people. 
And uh, I know that they are living the dream, man, seeing Logan, a guy from Columbia Academy, kicking a National Football League. Number three on the list, Jonathan Abram. You guys know him. He went to East Marion. I don't hold that against him. Jonathan Abram, first-round pick by the Oakland Raiders, All-American safety here at Mississippi State. And I love to see guys like Chad Johnson on uh, on Twitter talk about they love Jonathan Abram. He's an old-school player playing in a modern era. I love it, too. I love the fact that Jonathan Abram will get in Drew Brees' face and Tom Brady's face. He doesn't care. Uh, if you're out there and you're getting ready to play, you better get ready to get hit. I love it. Love his attitude. Uh, love what he meant to Mississippi State, what Mississippi State means to him. Number two on the list, former Mississippi State assistant coach, current Ole Miss assistant coach, former Florida State Seminole, Terrell Buckley. Terrell Buckley is from Columbia, Mississippi, but as a young child moved to Pascagoula, it probably cost us multiple state championships. I reminded him of that many times when he was here. And I know, I know T-Bucks at Ole Miss now, and I know we're not supposed to like him, but I, it's, I, I, I can't. You know, I can't not like Terrell Buckley. And you know, he's on the other side now. But uh, T-Buck is, is a Marion County guy. And, and uh, listen, I want him to do well, but I'm hoping he moves on from Ole Miss pretty soon because it makes it a lot easier to root for him. But, uh, you know, be that as it may, Terrell Buckley brought a lot of pride to a lot of people in Marion County because there's a lot of extended family that's still there. I believe his mom's family are all there. But number one, and there could only be one, the most famous guy to ever come from Columbia, Mississippi's Walter Payton. I have a 1971 Columbia High School annual that was gifted to me by my uncle. It is one of my most prized possessions. It means so much to me to have that. Walter did not sign the book. And, um, but one of the things that Walter Payton did for, this, for those of us in small-town Mississippi and, is he made us realize, you know, that if you work hard, no matter where you go to college, if you work hard and you do the right thing, the good things can happen to you. Now, of course, he's an incredibly talented, too, but he put on some really bad Chicago Bears teams but still was among the greatest running backs to ever play the game. I contend the greatest running back to ever play play the game, but I'm biased. I admit that I'm biased for the hometown kid. And one of the saddest days was when uh, Walter had the press conference and admitted that he was dying of cancer. And uh, because when I was a kid, he was like a superhero. You just, you know, you thought you could see him get hit and it it seemed nothing ever seen to face him. And I still don't understand how we didn't get him a Super Bowl touchdown. We gave it to Matsui and refrigerated Perry and, after all those bad years that Walter Payton played on some really bad teams, he does win a Super Bowl ring, but he should have had his crowning moment. That's what all of the NFL wanted. That's what everybody wanted in all of football was to see one of the greatest gentlemen to ever play the game have an opportunity to get an end zone in the Super Bowl. But there you are. Those are my 10 guys and gals from my hometown. And, um, you know, maybe someday somebody will have a top 10 list and I'll be on there. But uh, I certainly am not worthy of inclusion with these folks. But uh, we do claim a common kinship, and that's Columbia, Mississippi. Please allow me to remind you that uh, when you're in town, go by and see our friends at Campus Bookmart. Stan the man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, they'll take care of you. And Stan messaged earlier this week and said, hey, they got the flags in. They got those maroon power flags back in. Very, very popular item. They're going to go fast. And so if you can't make it to town to go get your flag, let me encourage you. Visit them at campusbookmart.net. Go do it today and use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. You can get your mask there. You can get your new Mississippi State gear there. You can get your, um, your flags there. Anything you need to outfit your home, your pet, your RV, anything you need Mississippi State related, Kathy Brown can get it for you. She is a, an elite buyer, and she has these great ideas for the victory shirts. And every time we get a big win, you can go by there and you can find those shirts. And uh, whether it be Egg Bowl or LSU, whatever, they, they get them taken care of almost immediately. It's like as soon as the game is over, they push a button, and then somebody prints a shirt, and like a day later or two that they have them. So be looking for that. Also on at campusbookmart.net. You can get uh, my books there, too. Matter of fact, i got to go out there tomorrow and sign some more copies for Stan because you guys are buying all of them up. Thank you for that. And I'm a firm believer in support local, as you guys know. All right, so let's get into a couple more things. Let's look around the league here. We talked a little bit earlier uh, about some of this COVID stuff, and I don't want to belabor that point at all. But we have reached a deal now with the standings in the SEC that, uh, you know, there's some schools you look at and say we're in trouble, and, you know, we might be one of them. 
you know, because we've dropped a game we shouldn't. I think most people felt like we would probably be two and one at this point, possibly one and two. A lot of people said the Kentucky game is a loss, but not the way that it went down. You know, we, we, we expected that to be a tough game, but not to be embarrassed the way that we were. So let me run these stats down, and we're going to talk a little bit about Mississippi State. Uh, Georgia, Brenna Standings, pardon me, Georgia 3-0, and and argu- arguably playing the best of anybody in the conference. I know they had some uh, issues offensively early on. They had a little bit of a tussle with Tennessee, put them in the rearview mirror pretty quick in the second half. So 3-0, and they've allowed just 37 points. That's the thing that just jumps out to me. 37 points, which is the lowest in the SEC. They have a game lead over Florida and Tennessee. Florida probably happy not to be playing this week. That LSU-Florida game would be a barn burner, to say the least. But, you know, LSU had all sorts of problems, too. This would have been an interesting game. It was going to be a good game anyway. With all this COVID stuff going on, uh, the depth was really going to be challenged. Miles Brennan was going to miss the game. I am sure. I'm sure the folks at LSU were more than happy to to uh, to kind of move on from that. Pardon me, I'm trying to get ready for the Zoom call. So, pardon me for the uh, for the move the the noise there. So, let's run it down here real quick. Um, let's run this down here. So yeah, Tennessee's two and one, and uh, Tennessee still got a really tough schedule to go. Kentucky one and two. The one is a real stinger for us. And then Missouri one and two. Big surprise there for them to take down LSU. Um, and then Missouri, of course, better offensively than they have been. South Carolina one and two. They beat Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt 0-3. Mississippi State, we'll see them later in the year. Over the West, of course, Alabama 3-0. But I'll be honest with you, I think it's a little more vulnerable at 3-0 than uh, maybe many of us anticipated. I mean, they, they just don't appear to be nearly as good as the, on defense as many people suggested they would be. Still time to turn that around, but they just haven't been very good. Uh, Auburn 2-1, and one, and th- they can't score. You know, 68 points scored, which is the fewest in the SEC West. A&M allowed 102 points. That's the second most in the SEC West. You know who number one is. We'll get to that a little bit later. But A&M 2-1, a game ahead of schedule for sure. But, again, they haven't been necessarily prolific offensively. 82 82 points scored. Arkansas, the fewest points scored in the SEC West, 59 points. They're 1-2, but still – arguably one of the toughest outs. Listen, they should have beat Auburn. I think everybody realizes that they should absolutely have beat Auburn. There's absolutely no reason why they shouldn't have beat Auburn. Uh, Had every opportunity to do so. And you can say what you want to, but I I think they they possibly blew the game there. But uh, you you can say that uh, we've got issues with officiating in that game, but uh, Arkansas is still a great, great, out, you know, they, they had to work really hard to get to where they are, but there has been a culture shift to say the least. All right, Arkansas, of course, one and two, LSU one and two. That's probably the biggest surprise right there. I think most people expected they would have to rebuild a little bit, but one and two, and th- as bad as they've looked defensively, I don't think anybody uh, feels good about the direction of the LSU program right now, at least of all LSU fans. And you know, whenever nobody believed that Orgeron when he came out and said, Hey, our defenses looked better than at any point last year. That was a shot at Dave Aranda. Dave Aranda is the one laughing today because Ed Orgeron looks like a clown for saying that. Ole Miss one and two in the league. And and again, that's a good win for them at Kentucky. Um, you know, and even though Kentucky's not a great team this year, Ole Miss went down there and made plays, and it's difficult to do that when you're a team that's used to losing. I apologize for the delay there, and I may, may, may have kind of blown it there. I went up a few seconds with dead air, and I apologize for that. But uh, we had we had to join the Zoom call with uh, Coach Dave Nickel and Coach Zach Arnett, so I give you guys a little insight to that. Uh, Dave Nickel shared with us about you know learning to play against the zone, you know, going to learning to sit down in the zone rather than just just running 
you know, in the zone, as he mentioned the old adage, if you know when it's a zone, you sit down. If it's man coverage, you try to run by people. But he says, you know, they've, they've had some moments this week and people are like, okay, yeah, I, I, I get that. Okay, I understand that. But again, he mentions too, you know, as coaches, they've got to figure some, some things out. They've got to coach these guys a little bit better. And that's one of the things that I'll say, you know, contrary to the popular belief of some in the social media commentary culture, I have seen a lot of accountability within the coaching staff. I have seen the coaches say, you know what, we have to do a better job. You know, a lot of people take a, con- a comment out of context and say, oh, well, Mike Leach is throwing the kids under the bus, but they don't go back and mention that coach said, you know, we got to coach them better. We're not coaching really good on offense right now. We've got to do a better job kind of getting our message out to these guys. And it's easy to kind of have a hot take column, you know, based all that out of context because, you know, Mike Leach is a name that moves a needle. But one of the things that you consistently hear from the Mississippi State coaches on offense and defense it's about, hey, we got to do better. We got to do a better job. We got to we got to coach these kids up a little bit better. We got to get them, uh, you know, in a position where they can be successful. That hadn't always been the case. Wasn't always the case under Moorhead. Wasn't always the case under Dan Mullen. But it's one of the things with this group. I think they kind of wear it too. It's not, oh, well, these guys just aren't grasping it. That's one thing you heard so much under Sylvester Croom is that. You know, the plays are there to be made, but we're not executing. And and one of the reasons we weren't executing is we weren't necessarily overly athletic on offense. I don't know that we're overly talented on offense now. You know, I think we've got some bona fide NFL guys on the roster. I think KJ Costello is a pro quarterback, and some of you probably are snickering when you hear that. But uh, as I mentioned before, a lot of his his issues are not just his issues. you got to have some receivers make plays. you got to have some guys that – run the routes, as Dave Nichols says, there's some absolutes and things you do that sometimes pull two guys. It opens up another option for somebody else. And so there's a lot of moving parts to this. Protection's got to be better. And one of the things we mentioned earlier is, you know, A&M hadn't done necessarily a great job of rushing a passer. So maybe that helps us this week. Maybe maybe we talk about five's got to block three and sometimes four. You know, maybe we catch a bit of a break this week with all of that. Maybe we protect a little bit better which would slow down the decision-making process some, you know, for K.J. Costello. I do expect him to start, even though I do think Will Rogers is, is probably at the ready. Zach Arnett said that, uh, listen, there's a lot of things we can do better. Yeah, we've, we've had some success, but, man, there's a lot of things. And one of the things that I love about our defensive coordinator is he never seems satisfied. Never. Never. He said before, zero is the goal. Zero points allowed is the goal. And so, you know, if you get beat 14 to 10 – then your defense didn't do a good enough job. That's that's the way he looks at it. You know, it's a team game, as he said, you know, because I asked him, I said, is there ever a challenge where you feel like your defensive guys may feel like their effort is wasted? And he just quickly dismissed that notion and said, you know, no, no, this is it's a team game. It's a team game. And there's three phases of the game. And if we lose the game, then we failed and won, if not all those three phases. And so I love how no-nonsense Zach Arnett is. And a lot of people said, oh, you know, he's going to leave and – you know, listen, guys, I get so frustrated with all this. Anytime there is negativity, everybody has a dadgum source. And their source is their own imagination. Occasionally, there are people that have some insight. But a lot of people that have, oh, well, I've heard this and I've heard that. And then people want to get out here and out negative each other. And, oh, woe is me. Because I heard this. I heard that this guy cleaned out his locker and all this kind of stuff like that. And listen, I'll go ahead and tell you right now. I do expect there to be a couple changes in a starting lineup on Saturday. I do. Haven't been able to confirm all that. But there, I expect there to be a couple changes in a starting lineup. And again, we talked about the accountability piece. That's part of the gig, man. That's part of the deal. If you're not getting it done, if you're not being a good teammate, if you are playing selfish football, if you're putting yourself before the team, you need to sit. I don't care how talented you are. You need to sit. If people don't have consequences for their actions, they have no reason to change. Put it on a T-shirt, tattoo it on your skin. If you don't have consequences, you will keep doing exactly what you've always done until somebody tells you you can't. So if you were here under Dan Mullen and Dan said, oh, you know, well, you know, we'll kind of let that go. We don't need him to do this. It sets a bad precedent. Then you have Joe Moorhead here. And again, I'm not talking bad about Joe. I love Joe. Joe's a great man. And I just don't think that Joe was quite ready for this job. And I don't know that we were quite ready for Joe. 
But the bottom line is this, is, you know, Joe wanted to be their buddy. He did. He was their coach, but he wanted to be their friend, and he wanted them to like him and that sort of stuff. And that's a bit of a character flaw in Joe. And that's not to say, I'm not trying to sit here and say Joe's a bad character. Joe is a great man. I just think in this league at this time with this program, you know, Joe just wasn't ready for the job. He might be at another time. But when there would be issues sometimes, you know, Joe, well, we'd have to go get on somebody. And then Joe would kind of pull him aside and pat him on the back and come talk to me, Big Daddy. Come on. And, you know, and sometimes that's part of the deal. But when people break the foundational standards of your team, you know, when people do things and exhibit conduct that is detrimental to the team, you have to address. Because you know what? The rest of the team is watching. Because if this guy can get away with it, then why can't I? You want to build dissension in the ranks, show favoritism among your players. And sometimes that favoritism is perceived rather than reality. But when you have people get out there and throw tantrums and have fevers and that sort of stuff and just get out there and just kind of do a bunch of silliness and rant and rave and all that stuff and kind of challenge the authority of the coaching staff, you have to act or resign, one of the two, because you're not going to win. You're not going to win when the players feel that they have the most dominant voice in the locker room. That's not to say that coaches can out yell the players. You know, a good shepherd leads his sheep rather than drives them. You can look at every great coach that's in the history of every sport. You know, they can say, well, these old school coaches, and yeah, there's some of that, especially with Mike Leach. Mike's a bit of an old school coach. He's kind of an old soul with a new lease on life in many respects, but you know, he believes in accountability. And it's a shame that people think that holding kids accountable, holding players accountable is old school. That should always be school, new, old, whatever. That should never go out of style. Holding players to a standard should never go out of style. It shouldn't be considered old school because you're basically socializing these guys for the rest of life. It's not just about going and winning football games, but the lessons learned in the practice field and the weight room and the football field and the baseball diamond, the basketball court, and everything else, those are the things that kind of equip you for life. As there's so much of that that I think is lost in translation. People say, well, you know, I don't want him to be mad. I don't care that he's mad. If he's detrimental to the team, it's got to be addressed. You know, sometimes it's addition by subtraction. If you have people out there that are doing things that are disruptive to the team and you don't address it, you lose the team. And that happens at every level. It doesn't matter if it's peewees or the pros. If you have a weak coach, if you have a coach that is weak on discipline, you will have troublemakers because the, the culture is right for it to happen. And so we have had some situations here, and I'm not throwing any of our kids under the bus, but we have had some of our guys that have kind of, you know, kind of grown into young adulthood with a kind of a lax culture the last couple of years. And that's not to say we didn't have some good football coaches. We did. But we were kind of lax when it came to discipline. And let's be honest, and again, I'm, I'm going to say this, and it's going to hurt some feelings, and that's okay. The fact that Willie Gay – punched our quarterback in the eye and kept him out of a bowl game is a symptom, a symptom of a culture problem. Do you think that that would have ever happened at the University of Alabama with Nick Saban? I mean, honestly, do you think that would have happened with Urban Meyer at Ohio State? It wouldn't happen. And it happens because there is a lack of respect and in some respects, a lack of fear of accountability. It's like, I can do this and nothing's going to happen to me. And again, I'm not, I don't want to bring the whole debate up because you know what? Both of those guys were at fault. Willie was at fault. Garrett was at fault. In fact, the situation had actually kind of de-escalated and Garrett kind of re-engaged and got the, the worst end of it. But both of the guys hit each other. And a lot of people kind of mischaracterize the situation. But here's the deal. The real failure in that situation is Joe Moorhead's. The blame for all of that is with Joe, because this is a culture that Joe had created and he had cultivated and he had made these guys feel like that type of behavior is acceptable. And so now we have a new coaching staff that has come in. And again, you, you may think I'm being critical of Joe and maybe I am being. 
I don't dislike Joe Moorhead, but Joe was too lax for the Southeastern Conference. He was, and he might be better later. I don't know. There's just something about Joe's personality. Joe is kind of a happy-go-lucky guy that wants to go win football games, and that's how he coaches accordingly. But in the SEC, it's a little different. But now you have a staff that didn't have the benefit of a spring practice to kind of work through these issues and the adjustment and culture. There's this big culture shift, and many of them kind of absorb that through Zoom. They didn't get a single spring practice. They went through midnight maneuvers, so they got a taste. You got a taste of it. Then they come back, and everybody's in quarantine, and then you've got to figure these things out, and then they work out in smaller groups. And so there is not that esprit de corps that there ordinarily would be. Then you get into fall camp, and it's, you know, it's somewhat abbreviated, and it's, it's a little different deal because you're in T-shirt and shorts for a while. And, and you finally get going, but you know all the things that you normally have to kind of acclimate guys to your way of doing things has kind of been removed. All that's kind of been arrested. And listen, it's not, we're not unique, okay? Ole Miss, Missouri, Arkansas all have first-year coaches. Offensively, they're probably playing better. Mississippi State now, and a couple of schools really are. Missouri struggled to score until last week, and they just bursted loose on LSU. But my point being, I don't know if there was a bigger culture shift from Moorhead to Leach than there was anywhere else in the conference. You could say, well, Steve, you talk so much, so glowingly about Sam Pittman. Look, Chad, Chad Morris was hard on those guys, probably too hard, which is why they bucked him. But I think Sam Pittman's come in, and again, he's holding those guys to a standard. And I, again, I'm impressed with what's going on there. But the situation here, I think in many respects, was a little different. You put in a new offense, you put in a new defense. That's the case at a lot of schools. We've had some growing pains with that. But we have, I understand this week, again, and you hear whatever you want to hear if you talk to enough people. You know, Coach Mike Leach said earlier today that he saw that it's kind of been a renewed sense of commitment this week. Dave Nichols said tonight it's been a good week of practice. So today was good. So yesterday was pretty good. Tuesday's a day that guys are kind of second-guessing a little bit because you're installing things. But said today was good. So I don't expect them to get up there and say it was bad. I'm not naive enough to believe they're always going to sit here and tell us the truth. And that's not to say they're lying to us, but I don't think they're going to if – we, if we have a terrible practice, nobody's going to go get on the microphone and say, you know what, these guys got to pick it up. Today was awful. I think Joe may have said that one time last year. You know, hey, it was a terrible practice. And we came back today and had a better practice. But but be that as it may, we're getting ready to go play a football game against Texas A&M. I believe we're capable of winning a football game. Because here's what I expect to happen. And maybe I'm being a Pollyanna here. I don't believe so. I believe when the offense clicks, it's all going to go at once. When, when you protect – and the receivers kind of understand the route concept a little bit better against his own, I think it's all going to click. I think it's going to be one of those things where you turn the TV on and say, where have these guys been? I don't think it's going to be this gradual process. I think just you're going to turn the TV on, and then we're going to be ready to go. And, I, and it could happen this week. And listen, Jimbo Fisher's been so up and down, you know, coaching players over the years. I could see them coming in here not playing well. They haven't won here since 2012. People forget that. 2014, that's when uh, Dak outdued Kenny Trill. They scored a couple of garbage touchdowns to prevent that from being an absolute cakewalk. 2016, they came in here as the number four team ranked in the FBS playoffs, and Nick Fitzgerald ran all over them. Game should have been worse. It was a bad call right before the half that we punt the football, and um, – the bad call there, they missed a call blocking the back, and then um, they returned it for a touchdown, kept them in the ballgame. They come back here in 18. That's when Kellen Mond threw the football to Earl Thompson. That Bulldog defense was outstanding. So, you know, they've come up here in the last three meetings, in many respects, riding a little bit higher than Mississippi State. And so this is kind of, you know, par for the course. And I think they're ripe for the taking. But it's going to boil down to Kent State move the football. Spillers is a great running back. Again, averaging nearly seven yards a carry. You know, we're going to you – know, and, and Zach Arnett said it. He goes, you know what, stats at this point are too early to draw any conclusions. 
But you know what? Let's take a look at, you know, kind of what we're doing after Spillers. He said, let's not praise our run defense yet because I don't believe we've been tested the way that we will be on Saturday. And so, yeah, it's going to be an interesting week. And again, I apologize for the lateness of the show, but I wanted to get up. I'm sure many of you are enjoying this on Thursday. I had several people message and say, yeah, Steve, when's it going to be up? I know you were going to be late today. I didn't expect to be this late, but I also wanted to produce a quality show. I didn't want you guys to just me to throw up a 30-minute episode and just call it a day. But uh, again, you guys, we'll be back on Friday. Looking forward to that. If you're looking for books, go to alphadogsthebook.com. Looking for Stark Villains gear, go to starkvillains.com. I'm excited to be back on campus. I look forward to you guys being here. But until then, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.